And so for owners who are preparing for the sale, often they are holding lots of secrets at that moment. Employees can tell. Family members can tell. Customers can tell. So having a place where you can dump those secrets and have a helper to come along beside you to know when should I tell. If I'm not telling, how do I navigate that in a way that continues to be congruent in their life? That's a really important mindset. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset Show. This is a podcast about the financial, money, and recreational mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. Let's dive into today's show. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset Show and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest, Denise Logan, is known as the Seller Whisperer. She's a professional speaker and author of The Seller's Journey, which is a business fable about navigating the emotional obstacles to selling your business. She has spent more than 20 years developing a body of work focused on the intersection of work, money, and meaning, and how it is reflected in the legacies of today's leaders. As you will see, having the proper mindset is a major component to a business owner's successful exit. Hello, everybody. I'm Larry Sprung, your host, and I'm here with Denise Logan, the Seller Whisperer. Thanks for joining us, Denise. Hi, Larry. It's nice to be with you today. Yes, very happy to have you join us. And I think it's so fascinating that you call yourself the Seller Whisperer. I love that title. I love that name. Can you tell our audience and our listeners, what does that mean? What is that all about? Typically, I'll step into the process of a business sale with an owner to help them navigate the emotional obstacles that could otherwise keep them from being able to harvest the wealth from their life's work. That's great. So you are involved in the mental aspect, the mindset, Midland Money Mindset, the mindset of the owner and helping them navigate towards the sale process. Is that right? Absolutely. So what have been some experiences that you've seen being a seller whisperer? What is an ideal situation for you? Just to give the audience an idea of what you actually do. For a business owner, when it comes time to sell their business, it is the most vexing chapter in the life of that business. They're used to running the business and know all the things about how to operate it. But typically selling a business only happens once in that owner's lifetime. There are lots of transactional professionals who are involved in the sale. So we'll think about a lawyer or a CPA or an investment banker or a business broker, their wealth advisor. All of those folks are supporting the transactional part of letting go of the business. But for the owner, this is one of the biggest transitions in their life. 
We often hear there's an acquaintance who I know who refers to owners as she has a little mocking phrase that she'll call it a bimbo. She's like, the business is my baby owner. And if you think about it, for most of our owners, their business is their baby. They have nurtured it from the very beginning. And just like when it comes time for us to launch our children out into the world, there's usually some preparation that happens for that. Sure. So you're like a psychologist for the business owner to help them work through that process, really. Yeah. And so can should I tell you a little bit about how I came to this work? Yeah, it's an interesting career. I have not found personally many people that are in this position. I come across a lot of folks who are brokers or investment bankers and kind of help and add to this process. But I have not met anybody in your specific situation. So how did you end up coming to here? In my early life, I was a mental health professional. And then I became a lawyer. And I sometimes joke that if I had been a good mental health professional, I would have kept myself from becoming a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) And what I saw was that deals were falling apart for all of the reasons that were not being said. And even in my own practice, so I practiced law for 15 years in the Washington, D.C. metro area. And when it came time to exit my own business, I saw a lot of the emotional process of how do I let go? How do I turn my clients and my staff over to someone else? And so I did a super choppy, ugly exit from my own business and got rid of my house and bought a motorhome and I took off. And I was in my late 30s at the time. And I thought that would probably be a six month period to clear my head. And it turned into several years. And I traveled around really trying to reclaim myself and sort out who am I without my business. So I've seen this from a lot of different angles, right? I've seen it as a professional watching owners struggle. I saw it in my own business as was time to let go. And then when I first came off the road from my motorhome adventure, which is a whole other conversation that we could have the fun of that, I joined a business that was run by an acquaintance of mine who said, why don't you help me prepare this business for sale? And over the next 10 years, we took that company to the market three times and he was unable to let go. Hmm. And so I watched this process where you could be like me, an owner who waited far too long. And really, I was at the point where I would rather put a stick in my eye than go to work one more day when I was practicing law. Or you could be like him and try to go too early and not be prepared. So 10 years ago, I left and did a lengthy research study to try to sort out what's going on for business owners and what makes it hard for them to let go. And 10 years ago, I started doing this work, specifically supporting owners and their transactional professionals in the transition so that more owners could actually succeed in reaching the endpoint. That's amazing. Now, the business you mentioned earlier that you tried to help for sale and three times the owner kind of backed out of the situation, wasn't ready. So there were viable buyers, I would imagine. It was just that that person, that individual was not emotionally and mentally prepared to actually pull the trigger on it. Absolutely. And one of the things, if you think about it, everywhere we go, the first question we're asked, whether it's relevant or not, is what do you do? 
Right. And so I was thinking about it when I got my hair cut recently, the gal in the chair next to me said, what do you do? And I thought, why is that relevant to getting my hair cut right now? So for a business owner, their identity is very wrapped up in what do I do? An interesting piece that happened for me when I was practicing law, I was part of this trade organization that I've been a member of for many years. And they did a facilitated conversation. So they had a facilitator. They put us all in a banquet room on a Tuesday night. And we had to stand in a circle and each of us say what we did without using any traditional moniker. So mm-hmm. I couldn't say, I'm a lawyer. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I had to say something that the people in the room wouldn't know about me. And I'll tell you, most of us, when we're in one of those uh team building events were like rolling our eyes. But as, as the conversation was moving around the circle, I learned lots of things from other people who were in that circle. It was a CPA who was building, rebuilding an old car in his garage as a secret gift for his soon to be 16 year old son. There were a whole variety of things that as people were sharing. And for me, at that point, I realized the only answer I have is I'm a lawyer and I'm a business owner. And I started to get pretty anxious as that conversation worked around the circle. I could feel myself kind of perspiring, like, uh oh, sure. my peers are going, I'm going to be out <laughs> in front of my peers as the I'm person. I'm a workaholic. Right. Who has no <laughs> life other than my work. And I actually ended up excusing myself from the room to use the ladies' room. I took my purse and I left the event. I went to my car and I bailed because I was too embarrassed to say I have nothing else other than my work. I remember driving home that night in the rain with like the tears on my face and I realized I need to know who else I am other than my business. I hear it a lot from business owners as they're approaching the end of their own business. The how will I answer that question? Who am I? Right. And our work provides lots of things for us. Often we can get really focused on just the economics of it. And certainly at the time of selling a business, that tends to be the focus that all of the people who are involved in the sale are focused on. A question I'll ask owners a lot is, so what does work provide for you? Mm -hmm. And we should be able to get 12 to 15 distinct answers to that question. The first one is always money. People will say, my kids like to eat. I'm like, I know. And let's look at what else. So if you think about the things that work provides, for many of our owners, it's a place to go, right? Here we are during coronavirus where we're all home with our spouses. (laughs) Wouldn't you like to have a place to go during the day? Right. It's a place where they have their friendships with their customers or their employees or their peers, their vendors. We could list out a whole array of things that people get from their work. Those needs don't go away just because we sell our business. It's funny that you bring that up because we talk about this a lot with clients, business owners, and even employees of companies who are looking to retire at some point. We talk to them about having... There's two components. There's the financial aspects of retirement, or in this case, exiting. And then there's the non-financial aspects. Even employees, we find, many of them find their identities at work and don't do a great job getting the infrastructure they need in place to have a successful retirement and enjoy that retirement and be able to separate. And this is even, I think, that to the nth degree, because not only are they that employee in the business, but they're the owner and they see this as their child, if you will. And, you know, like you said, 
So it seems like you're working very closely with the business owner. How do you integrate yourself with the other professionals? What does that interaction look like? Because obviously you're not the investment banker. You're not acting as the investment banker. How do you interact with them to assist them with this process? Typically, I'm introduced to a process through a banker or a lawyer or a wealth advisor or a private equity buyer, sometimes a family member who realizes that the owner will struggle in letting go. And when I first come into the process, I'm going to work with the owner to help them identify what is calling them toward their exit. Because we'll find that the process will be very up and down. There's a lot of emotion that's going to happen in the process. The more clear we can make what they're moving toward, the easier it will be to come back on track. But I'm also moving seamlessly throughout the transaction to help all of the other people who are involved in the process stay grounded and settled. You know, the sale of a business, for many of our owners, the only thing that's close to that is the sale of their home. That's the Mm -hmm. only thing that they can typically relate it to. And selling a business isn't like selling a house. We're not just going to plunk a sign in the front yard and people are going to drive up with sacks of cash to buy the business. So many owners wait too long and that process is more tumultuous. So if we think about what's going on in the process of a sale, I'm going to use a house metaphor as an example. Many of your listeners, and maybe you've even had this experience, you're selling the house and you found a buyer and you've made all of these little changes that they want, right? Oh, we want you to trim the bushes. We want you to pull up those pavers over there. And bit by bit, each of those little changes that you're making is wearing on your emotional stability. And at some point, the buyer says, I want you to move the thermostat two inches to the left. And right, you're just like, no. I will burn this house down rather than give it to you. We know that that is not about the request that was made. It was about whether or not that person was able to continue to come back to a place of being settled. Right. Each time there was an unexpected surprise. The sale of a business is a little bit like the child's game, shoots and ladders. Do you ever play that game? Yeah, yeah, a long time ago, but yes, yes. So you're trucking along the board and you get a great spin and you go up a ladder and you're far up on the board and you're like, yeah, I'm going to win. And the next spin, you hit a shoot. And you're sliding back down. down. Most advisors in the sale of a business will tell you that every deal dies seven deaths. So they are familiar with that emotional process. But when it happens, both the buyer the seller, and all of the professionals are having emotional reactions to it. So if we're able to normalize what's happening and also be able to give a common language to talk about what's happening, it's easier. Yeah, I could see how that could take the ups and downs. Obviously, you're not going to have a flat emotional line through this process, but the hope is it sounds like your role is to kind of mitigate as much of that up and down and keep everybody on the same page as much as possible, which is a great tool to have in this process. Can I give you an example of yeah, sure. how that played out? And the emotional process that an owner goes through is the same whether we're talking about a $50,000 business or a $50 million business. The owner's emotional arc and that that's going on with the deal professionals is the same. So this happened to be an $85 million sale of a business. And we were eight weeks before the closing date when the owner suddenly announced that he would not take a penny less than nine times EBITDA. 
Never mind that he had already signed a letter of intent to sell it 6.2 times. Okay. So the investment banker called me and said, I think my seller went crazy. I'm like, yeah, sounds <laughs> like it. Let's see if we can figure out what scared your fella. And if we can find out the hidey hole he's in and coax him back out. So the seller's original plan was to sell the business, buy a sailboat, and sail around the globe. You can get a pretty good boat for $85 million. I would think so, even after the tax bills paid, sure. (laughs) (laughs) But two weeks before he asked for this unicorn, his wife said to him, I'm not doing that. I do not want to be stuck on a boat with you far away from my grandkids. I'm not doing it. And can we agree, Larry, he is not going to come back and tell the deal team that the deal is off because his wife won't let him do what he wants to do. Of course, that's never going to happen. Not never. Instead, he asked for something that he couldn't get so that when he couldn't get it, the deal would fall apart and he could save things. So once I sorted out what was happening in that transaction, I did some work one-on-one with husband and wife and created a solution for them where he would buy the sailboat and sail. And every six weeks, she would take one grandchild fly to where he was. They'd do two weeks on land, building memories with the child. She would fly home and he would sail on. Boom. Her deal was back on track, closed on time at its original price. So what I would say is most of what's going on is not about what it looks like it's about. Yes, I agree with you. There's always a reason behind the objection or the issue, and it's a matter of getting to that root cause, which I think your story there really outlines the importance of having somebody like you aboard, because if you weren't involved, there probably would have been some confrontation between him and the other advisors, and it probably wouldn't have ended up as equitable for everybody. I mean, either he wouldn't have been happy because the problem would have been solved and he wouldn't have gotten his eight times EBITDA, (laughs) or the deal would have been completely blown. And I think that that is a really great indication of how you work to improve the owner's journey through the sale of the business because you just really improve that owner's life and their situation beyond just the sale of the business. And if you think about what was really going on in that particular situation, well, it looks like it's about the boat or it looks like it's about his wife not wanting to go. What they're really experiencing in that moment we call relational grief. So in that moment when our last child launches from home, For most of us, we look at our partner and we think, who are you? I don't know you. And I don't even know if I want to know you. And so for many couples who survive that, the business, if they own a business, the business becomes that additional child. And so in that particular situation, what was happening is our owners realized that the dream that they had been working toward was no longer the same dream. And it's hard for owners to face that. As an owner gets closer to the exit, there are all kinds of things. We call it the 3 a.m. event, where they sit straight up at 3 a.m., eyes wide, and all of those things start pouring into their mind. And this can happen whether we have an older owner or a younger owner. So I was involved in a situation. It was a software company that was selling. The owner was in his mid-30s, was set to net $16 million on the other side of the deal, and suddenly realized who am I going to hang out with? (laughs) All my buddies have jobs and I'm going to be on my own. So he was out with his buddy one day and he said that to him, to which his friend responded, boo-hoo, dude, I wish I had (laughs) your sad little $16 million problem. 
Right. Often we'll hear an advisor say the same thing, like, don't worry about it, man. You'll figure it out on the other side. But the reality is that problem doesn't go away. The owner just becomes filled with a sense of shame that they're worrying about things that other people think are useless for them to worry about. So in that particular situation, the owner's name was Michael. Michael wasn't talking to anyone about this problem because he felt ashamed when his friend said that to him. Instead, he was acting it out in the transaction, like little mushrooms popping up in the deal. There would be a conflict over something. He would pick a fight somewhere. And the more that was happening, the more stress was happening for his deal team as well. And so there are all of those instances that we can see that are not about what it looks like it's about. And if we can keep the owner and the buyer and all of the deal professionals settled, more deals close. Oh, 100%. And everybody will be happier too. Yeah. And the, the reason that's so important, Larry, is that most business owners intend to fund their retirement with the proceeds from the sale of their business. The bulk of advisors of of owners are planning that. But the sad reality is that less than one third of businesses that go to the market actually sell. Mm -hmm. Well, that actually brings us to one thing that I definitely wanted to ask you. I mean, is there a way to increase the profitability and the success and have a regret-free exit? Are there things that business owners should be thinking in advance of this process that would help them through it? Or can they wait until they're mentally ready to sell? What can they do to make sure that they have the profitability and the success at the same time? Yeah. Even at the very beginning, when someone starts a business, really concentrating on what is this business for? So sometimes it's just a wealth generation engine, but it's often providing a lot of other pieces for us, right? So it's our sense of power, It can be our place of community. So from the very beginning, an owner should always be looking at what is my exit? Not just when will I make the money from it, but how will I let go? Because the reality is not all owners make it to the end of their business. And having an idea along the way of how will I exit? We often think succession planning or exit planning comes at the end of the business. I actually think that begins way earlier at the beginning of the business. How will you plan to exit? What will happen if you can't work? Who will take over? Because businesses where an owner unexpectedly dies or is incapacitated, very few of those businesses are successful, even at the Fortune 500 level. I agree with you. And I think that that planning is so key and so vital. And so many business owners don't think about it because it doesn't affect the bottom line right today. But it's so vital to have that in place. And I think one of the other things that people fail to realize is they think once they put this plan in place, that it's almost set in stone. And what we try to do when we talk to business owners about this is say, hey, listen, you're starting a plan today that may be looking to execute 20 years from now. That doesn't mean that the plan today is what it's going to look like five years from now. Something that's got to be updated, reviewed, and revised. You just want to have a plan in place in that event, like you're incapacitated or there is a death that things will continue to run and still maintain an income stream for your family or whatever the goals are. But just because you're making a succession plan today doesn't mean that this is exactly the way it's going to look. Even a year from now, you have the ability to change that. And I think that's a very, very key point. More than 80% of owners, when asked when they will retire, 
will say five years, no matter how old they are. And that number continues to be five years, no matter how many years pass. I should start saying that. I don't say that. (laughs) I have a much longer time horizon. In five years. And part of it is because our businesses and retirement often forces us to think about mortality issues. And we can often kick that can down the road. We don't want to think about it. So here's a little story about a third generation business. So grandfather, father, son, all in the business. Grandfather was in his 80s, pretty much out of the business. The father was in his 60s. Son was in his mid 30s. The son went to the father and said, you're going to turn this business over to me by the end of the year, or I'm going to take all of the customers and create a new business and drive you under. Oh, that's an inartful way to have a succession planning conversation. So mom and dad were not ready to leave the business yet. They went to their wealth advisor to try to figure out what to do. So I entered the process at that point, truly thinking, oh, this son is like a punk. Why did he start a conversation like that? When I entered, what I learned was that the son had been trying to have this conversation for five years with his dad. And his dad was basically giving him the hand. Not now, not now. As I got a little further into the process, something else I learned was that the mom had stage four breast cancer. What we were seeing was these two men acting out a level of uncertainty around another part of their life. I also learned that 25 years earlier, the father had pulled the same move on his father. We look at family businesses and succession planning, and there should absolutely have been a plan early on. When we allow our children to enter the business, why are they entering the business? What is our plan to transition to them? Sometimes an owner can also think that they know who is going to be their successor in the business, but they've never had a conversation with that person. I think your story of that family highlights the importance of having a plan. It was done to the father by his father. So you would think he'd be more inclined to have a plan so that he doesn't repeat history and do that to his own children. But sometimes it takes that ultimatum. And like you pointed out, there's two sides to every story, right? Dad's side and the son's side. It's clear to me how much of the owner's mindset plays into this transaction. Does it tend to be an overwhelming majority of whether the transaction happens or not? Because it seems like what we're talking about is not a lot really has to do with the money. I mean, the money has to be there, but it seems like an overwhelming majority of the success or failure of these exits really lie on this mindset piece. Absolutely. It's about preparedness, both preparedness for the business and for the owner. There are a lot of things that happen at the time of a sale. So owners are wondering, should I be telling my employees? When do I tell my customers? If you think about the emotional process that's going on when you are holding a secret, right? If for any listener who has a dog, you'll recognize this. I call it dog ears. When your dog hears a sound that isn't quite right, right? They tilt their head kind of like, (laughs) what was that? And so for owners who are preparing for the sale, often they are holding lots of secrets at that moment. Employees can tell, family members can tell, customers can tell. So having a place where you can dump those secrets and have a helper to come along beside you to know when should I tell, 
If I'm not telling, how do I navigate that in a way that continues to be congruent in their life? That's a really important mindset. In your view, are you the first person that the business owner should come to, or is it something they should go to the investment banker, the wealth advisor, and then have them bring you in? How does that typically work for you? There's how it works and how it should work. Right. Well, <laughs> let's are, talk about how it should work. <laughs> which are often unrelated. They're very different things right? most of the time. But how should it work? If I have a business owner that, let's say, is interested in selling the business, obviously, I want to have a conversation with him. But should we be introducing you like at that moment that we're having that first conversation? Or should we kind of start going down the path and then bring you in? I don't want to answer the question. Tell us how it should work. Yeah. And I think it's a series of conversations for an advisor to be having with their client. If you work with a business owner, it's going to be a ton of conversations you're having with them. When they begin thinking about the process, that's a great time for an introduction. And I wrote a book called The Seller's Journey. It's written as a business fable. So Mm -hmm. it's the story of an owner one year after he sells his business. He goes on a trek across Glacier National Park with his banker, his lawyer, his wealth advisor, and the buyer of his firm. Sounds like a start of a joke. (laughs) (laughs) And they all come back alive. (laughs) So as they cross the glacier, they are relating the physical obstacles that they're facing to the emotional obstacles that they faced in preparing for and exiting the business. I think the book is a really great early tool to share with a client to be able to have them read the book and fall into the story. They will feel like Marty, who is the protagonist in the book, and be able to say, oh, I never thought I might feel that, or I didn't even think about those pieces. I think that's a really great introduction. And often I have a follow-on conversation with an owner, either before they read the book, after they read the book. Lots of advisors will do that, where they will share a book with a client and then team me up to have a conversation with an owner, just to help them assess where are they, what do they need to take sure. next steps. I think that's a great way to start that conversation and get the right people in, in the mix. As we've discussed, you want to do that earlier than later, of course. And Denise, we've talked a lot today about mindset, which is perfect for the Midland Money Mindset. I always end every show with the same question because this is the Midland Money Mindset. And that is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? Every day I connect with something bigger than me. So I live in Scottsdale, Arizona, although I work with clients all over the US and Canada. I get up every morning and see the sunrise. It helps me to connect with the bigness of things. And before I go to bed every night, I trot myself out into the front yard and I look up at the moon. And I have a little ritual that I do. On the full moon, I think about what I want to empty from my life over the next month. What are the things I want to let go of? And on the new moon, I think about what are the things I'm going to add in. So every night when I go out and look at the moon, I'm coming back to that basic question that I ask myself. What am I letting go of and what am I inviting in? And that helps me to stay connected to things that are bigger than the small things that can derail our lives. That is awesome. And it also puts you in a great framework to start the day and 
to end the day. And I think that's a great way to end this show. And I appreciate you coming on. And Denise, how do people find you if they want to locate you and contact you and learn more about the journey and you as the seller's whisperer? My website is denise.logan.com. And the book is called The Seller's Journey. It's available on my website. And of course, on Amazon, it's in Kindle format and the audio book will be out next month. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us, Denise. It's been a pleasure. It's been very educational and interesting for me. I'm sure the listeners have found a great interest in it as well. And thank you for joining us and make it a great day. Wonderful to be with you. Thanks so much, Larry. I want to thank Denise Logan for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset Show. Denise is known as the seller whisperer for a reason. She works with business owners and their teams to assure all remain in the proper mindset through the exit. As we discussed, mindset is in many cases the largest part of this process. To learn more about Denise Logan, you can visit her website at deniselogan.com and be sure to look for her book, The Seller's Journey. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandfinancial.com and be sure to smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content. And listen, please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. Be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about the mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.